the psychology behind it was, wait a second, it's $49 to buy it or $19.95 to join the site. I'll just, I'll just get it and download it and I'll get it all right away. But then they started listening to it and I had them every single day. We went from 150 to just shy of a thousand members in seven days. Hey everyone, welcome to Supercasters. I'm Jason Suhoy, co-founder and CEO of Supercast. And on this show, we interview world-class podcasters, deconstruct their growth strategies, and find out how they build sustainable, independent businesses that thrive on a strong relationship with their listeners. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Scott Smith, an entrepreneur, creator, and former top 40 DJ who's an expert in converting free listeners to a paid podcast and retaining Are them you talking years. to me, sir? Uh, well, you certainly are. Scott's the chief motivating officer of Motivation to Move, a self-help podcast that provides daily nine-minute coaching on the mindset and habits that create happiness, success, and the life you desire. Launched in 2006, Scott's show Daily Boost has received over 38 million total downloads. That's a whopping 65,000 downloads for every episode. And his paid product, Daily Boost Premium, provides even more value for his most engaged listeners. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the show. Hi there. You know, I think I need to update that. We're at 47 million now. Just saying. Wow. Wow. That's okay. at an amazing rate. (laughs) It's incredible. Yeah, well, I've been doing it a long time. You know, well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So wind us back then. Uh, you know, I guess, first of all, how did you get into podcasting? Well, I was obviously a radio guy, as you brought up, and um, I was kind of kicking around, tired of the freelance, tired of the corporate thing, tired of working hard and then having no money and having to find another gig. And I said, I need something else to do here. And I had kind of meandered my way into the self-help world. I was teaching kickboxing at the time. And uh, was in a gym and uh, started to bring kind of what I do to the gym. And I said, well, that's kind of cool. They liked it. I started an email list and I said, well, how do I kind of reach my audience? How do I get out there? And one day, it was in 2004, right at the end of uh, the year, right after Christmas. I was sitting in my, my bedroom at the time. I was Googling and I found this thing called a podcast. And I went out to my wife and I said, honey, I found it. It's called a podcast. She said, a pod what? I said, a podcast. And I, it's how I get my message out. And she said, okay, and that was it. This was literally two months after it was invented. I mean, Adam Curry was still rocking the day back then. And so I went at it and I figured it out. We wrote the RSS feed. I said, I got to figure out something to post this thing on. The WordPress was garbage back then. I, I used something called Expression Engine. It took me about three months to get my first podcast written. And it was called the Motivation to Move Minute. And I launched it on something called Podcast Alley. And I put 20 of them up and I went out to dinner. It was a fitness podcast. I went out to dinner at TGI Fridays, had some Sesame Jack chicken wings, had some beer, and uh, came back and about 25 people said, where have you been all my life? And there it began. I started that. I did that for about a month. And I said, well, let's do something longer. So I came up with a a 30-minute show called The Motivation to Move Show that I ran on Saturdays. So I ran free Monday through Friday on a 60-second show and then a 30-minute show on a Saturday. And about July 4th weekend of 2005, iTunes said, we're going to do podcasts. Would you like to be on our directory? I said, sure, I'd like to. And they put me in there. And all hell broke loose after that, if I may say. Interesting. So how did people discover you before iTunes? Was it your email list? 
Uh, well, it was email lists, and there were people that were looking for podcasts. There was Podcast Alley, Podcast Pickle, all these directories that were out there. They're still around, some of them anyway. And that was it. That's how you found them. Totally gamed. It was very difficult to rise to the top. The people out there were kind of your Napster crowd. Remember Napster back in the 90s? I do. Okay, so Napster was kind of this outlaw crowd that was finding these audio podcasts out there. Right. And uh, they discovered us. And when I started, there were less than 10,000 podcasts in the world when I started. Mm -hmm. iTunes kind of broke it free and made it available to the entire world. And we crashed servers. We did everything. It was kind of fun time for about probably about three years, uh, you know, 2006 through 2008 or nine. Mm. It was crazy, but it just rolled. It just grew and it just ran really, really fast. And people were like, oh, my God, what is this thing? Mm. So here we are. And then we had kind of the second generation that we kind of went up and down for a long time. Serial came about about 2014. That was the next big hit. And uh, then people began to discover podcasting. And now here we are at 1.4 million podcasts. So it's been a long time, long ride. Well, it's funny. You said people still talk about podcasting like it's a new thing. I love it. I have a feed burner feed. You know feed burner? I do. All right. I've I got a feed burner feed. And just the other day, I was checking on Google. And uh, Google is Google. And they are what they are. And, and we're listed on Google. And, and I was Googling around. And I, I realized they were actually drawing off my feed burner feed. You know, the one they shut down five years ago, right? Right. Still working. And I said, seriously, you still got my feed burner feed. It's been that long. We have the original feed from day one, which is really like an asset, like gold hidden in the mountains. Yeah. Uh, because we have all these people from all these years who still have that feed. And so I have the original feed I started way back in 2005, and it is still serving the world today. Amazing. There's a few threads that, you know, kind of came together at that early time. There was the fact that you had been a top 40 DJ, I assume prior to that experience, prior to you discovering podcasting. And then there was you discovering podcasting and saying, hey, this is a way to, for me to get my story out. And then there's also the idea for the daily boost itself and the content topic and the type of stuff that you're going to be speaking about on a sure. daily basis. Can you talk a little bit about how that all came together? Yeah, you know, I had the radio background. I had a production background. I was a voiceover guy for a long time. Our microphones are completely messed up today, so you can't tell today, but we're doing this, right? I was in a production company. I owned production companies. I did TV. I did film. I, I probably did, uh, gosh, 300 different infomercials, about 10,000 commercials. Wow. I was in the production world. That's what okay. I did. And so I had a background of advertising and production and radio, and I, I kind of knew how to do the game. When I decided I wanted to shift from what I was doing, and I said, I'm going into self-help and consulting and helping people, you know, kind of make their life better, build their businesses, the whole thing. I'd been doing that kind of brick and mortar, door to door, but I didn't have the vehicle to go online. And when podcasting showed up, that was the vehicle. Got I it. saw it as the vehicle. I said, okay, I can jump into this thing. And I didn't know what to do with it. I just knew that, okay, if I, if I start talking... I figured I could create content people would like, and I knew that I had a personality that I'd been paid to, to use before. Right. And I really believe that, you know, things have changed today a little bit, but still, personality rules online, it rules anywhere. You know all the content you want to have, but if you don't have the ability to connect with people on a charismatic level, you're going to have a hard time with it. And we see that all the time. Absolutely. So I knew I had that going for me because I had a track record of that. But listen, dude, the first time I did a podcast, I sat down and I, I thought I was a podcaster. I've been on CNN, I've been on Fox, I've been all over the world, I've done all kinds of cool things. Mm -hmm. And I sit down and do my first podcast, I say, hi, my name is Scott, this is my podcast, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I put my NPR voice on, right? Come on, man, even before NPR did it. It didn't take me very long, a few episodes before I realized that, no, start being yourself. Cheesy or not, be who you are. Right. And I ran with it. So the background I had, absolutely 100%, because... 
at that time, you had to be able to do production to do this thing. Right. These days, you go buy a Rodecaster Pro and a microphone and boom, you're done, right? You're right. in. Uh, you hire a Supercast, you got your feed. I had to write my feed way back then. So I jumped in and I went at it. But there was a problem. I wasn't making any money. Right. None. I was working 90 hours a week, doing my job and making a podcast six days a week and making not a dime. Heard that story before? Certainly. Okay, so are you ready for it? You ready for the real, you want to go deep now? Absolutely, we want to go deep. Okay, here's what happened. So we got into this thing, and I'm working at it, and I'm literally saying to myself, okay, how am I going to make money out of this thing? And I'm looking around, I'm seeing, okay, people are making money online, they're selling courses, they're doing stuff, it's working, beginnings of the internet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I've been online since probably 89 with CompuServe and AOL, all that stuff. And I said, well, people are making money, what am I going to do here? I said, well, here's what I'll do. I'll do this newfangled thing called freemium. And I'll make a membership site of all things. And that's going to work. I'll just give a little bit away. And then I'll say, if you want more, you got to pay me for it. But I'll say it nicer than that. Mm -hmm. And then I went to figure it out. My daughter was working with me at the time. And we went to something called A-Member, which was a membership site that still sell today. Remember, I sent them an email. I said, hey, I want to use your software for my podcast. Will it work? They said, no, it won't work on podcasts. I said, why not? It's just a file. It's got to work. Mm-hmm. And I went and did it. And about two, three years later, Paul Colligan, you've heard that name before. And Paul says, hey, we have this new thing that works for podcasts. It's called A-Member. Well, I figured it out about three years before he did. Mm -hmm. And with that, I had this crazy idea. I said, okay, we got this free podcast five days a week and this Saturday podcast. But if you want to get the mindset stuff, because when it came to health and fitness and weight loss and all that, I just knew it wasn't about diet. It was all about your mind. Right. So I created this thing called the Daily Boost. And the crazy idea, and I cannot tell you where it came from, was I'll do it on a Monday for free, still do, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you got to pay for it. And I launched it. And one day in September of 2006, I launched it on a Saturday morning. The day I was moving out of my house, by the way, for the weekend, I had 30 people gave me 1995. I made almost $600. Wow. But that day... My wife, my first wife, uh, we moved out, and that evening I got a terminal diagnosis for her. She had cancer, and uh, we didn't know it was coming. Uh, she got sick that day, and so the very day that I launched my business, my wife, uh, she got, we were told she was going to die. Wow. And so I, I reached out to all my folks, and I said, uh, hey, I, I, I got your money. I'll send it back, or I'll be back soon as I can. And they all said, well, come on back when you're ready. And so for the next 100 days, I took care of my wife. We moved out. We went to Costa Rica. We did all kinds of crazy treatments, the whole thing. We went to hospice, the whole deal. I decided to record a podcast every single week through the entire process. Mm -hmm. My entire journey, episodes 66 through 99, were recorded as I went through the process. Well, that was one of the biggest things I'd ever done because it played out in real time like a podcast does. It's so intimate. It was so real that you couldn't get away from it. People connected to it. Right. Then she passed away in uh, December of 2006. And I had tried to do the daily boost and get it going like in early December, but I couldn't do it. It was, she was almost, almost dying. I couldn't do it. And so she passed away. I took a couple of weeks off and uh, came back and I said, okay, I'd promised my late wife. I said, listen, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I called my daughter and I said, here we are, let's get this thing going. And we started doing it. And uh, we cried and we we went at it, and our listeners stayed with us, and I kept doing a podcast every week. And it took about the end of January, I think. She had died December 6th. About the end of January, uh, I was ready to go again. I had something ready to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I came back and said, okay, here we go. I'm live. Give me money. And I literally said that. Give me money. Well, I got enough people to give me, I got 150 people to give me 20 bucks a month. Wow. So suddenly I had some money, right? 
So it kind of kicked on that way for a long time. So I'm recovering, I'm sharing my story. And I can't, I really want to stop for a second because I, I, I've told the story a long time. But because of where I was, I was so transparent and so real. And basically my message was this, look what I'm going through and I'm going to spin it in a positive way and show you how I'm recovering from this. And people latched onto that. Right. That's what they did. And so we went for a while. And then about a month after that, I met my new wife, Joy. I had another issue. I had no money. So I said, okay, I guess I got to make some more money. I met her the first day. I said, Joy, <laughs> I am currently making this much per month, 150 times 20. That's what I'm making. Right. <laughs> that's it. I said, I got to make more money. I knew I was going to ask her to marry me in about six or seven months because that's what she told me it would be. And I figured I better have my income up by then. And I set off on my path. That, that's the short story about how I kind of got to where I am today. But I just want to reemphasize really strongly that what happened was I connected with my audience in the only way a podcast can. It's mm -hmm. so intimate. It's the only thing you put in your ear, man. That's it. There's nothing else you insert in your body to listen to. And I resonated in the bone structure of their ear canal, right, right down into their heart, right. and told them a story that I could never do today. I could never construct it today. It was so real. Right. And so what I've learned since then is to be real no matter how bad it is. Just be real. Just go there. Be nasty, be dirty, be ugly, and then ask for money if you want to get paid. That's how you do it, man. Thank you for sharing that story. You know, like that speaks to all kinds of things, not only in terms of what was going through your life at the time and the way you were, I'm sure, you know, grieving and, and dealing with your loss, but then also to the medium of podcasting as well and what makes it, you know, special that goes beyond words on a page or words on a, on a website. You're speaking right into, you know, somebody's ear hole and that sort of stuff can resonate around people's bones. Yeah, it did. And it was, you know, it, it was very powerful. But, you know, the thing that happened was I always had a mindset. And the mindset was this. It was that I'm going to share my story because it was very painful. It was hard. I was crying on a lot of the podcasts. And yet this was not about me. It was about them. It was about the listener. Is how can I take what I'm going through and get them to grasp onto that and grab something from it. How can I do that? And that's never gone away. It was there from the beginning. So I stayed with that. I encourage all podcasters to do that. If you're trying to connect with somebody, then really think on their behalf. Think about what they're going through. Think about their journey. Don't try to manipulate it, but just try to share the story in a way that they can engage because that beautiful suspension of disbelief, that point in time when they fall into your story, even though you're talking about you, it doesn't matter. They're in your story. They're following the narrative of your life and they start to relate it to themselves. And if you can think that way, you'll always win because it's never about you, it's always about them. I love it, the suspension of disbelief, I, I love it. You know, it sounds like through what you're saying about, you know, hey, I make this much money to your new girlfriend and saying, you know, I gotta get this up. It sounds like you were all in on your show. What was it about what you were doing that basically made you think, okay, I've just gotta make this successful, I've gotta get this to where it needs to be, as opposed to going back to what you were previously doing? You know, they say if you're going to overtake the island, burn the ship so you can't go back to it, right. right? A lot of people say that. Years ago, I was interviewing a guy that owned the company called The Pasta Shop. And I said, they say you should work at this part-time. He said, God, no, don't do that. You'll always give up. You'll always go back to the full-time job. So I've always believed that you have to go for it. But I also believe there's a bridge. There's a point in time where you can make the jump. Your skill set has to be there. Mm -hmm. Your tech set has to be there. You've got mm -hmm. to have some momentum. You've got to know your path. You've got to know that you can at least have half a chance to get there, right? right. You know what I mean by that. Right. You can't jump too fast. So I teach people that all the time. You know, We build a bridge. Let's build this side. Let's build that side. When the span gets close enough together, let's make the leap. So in my case, very special situation. I had the skill set. I had already built the tech because I'd done broadcast my entire life, 
but I built the tech. I had the podcast out there. I had an audience listening to me already. I remember the day I opened up my community, I opened up with a thousand members, like boom, just like that. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. So I had momentum going already. So that was already there. And then this really strange thing that you may or may not understand was that my wife passed away. And when your wife passes away, you get a free pass. And I knew that. I knew I had a free pass. And what I mean by that is that, wait a second, everybody thinks I'm so grieving and so upset that they're not gonna demand anything of me. They're not gonna make me pay my rent exactly on time. They're not gonna call me to do a job. They're just gonna leave me alone for a while. And I knew that was gonna happen because I've been through stuff like that before. And I said, well, what the heck? I've got this all set up. I'm already set up to go. I'm already right dead in the water. I've got some momentum. If I just go all in, I think I can make this work. Mm -hmm. And so I went all in. I just decided that's it. But again, I was at that stage where I knew that, hey, if I do this, I can make this happen. A lot of folks, they jump too soon and they can't get it to go. People give up and they say, hey, I'm going to start building my podcast business. You've got to have a skill set to make it happen. I'll tell you here a little bit how I actually got it really rolling. But that really interesting, important time when I was, um, I had nothing better to do, honestly. <laughs> it's like, it was a choice. Go back to, you know, the old way it used to be or because my life had been so suddenly interrupted, kind of run with it, which is what I did. So I basically burnt the boats, went at it. That's amazing. And, you know, and this is such a different time as well. You know, like these days, uh, everyone looks to iTunes and says, well, if I can just get up those charts, if I can get the ratings in a spot, you know, then the traffic will come. But, you know, you didn't even have that level of certainty to Mm-mm. where your audience was going to come from. So I'm interested to explore further, like when you're at that point, you know, 150 people paying you $20 a month, how did you think about growing your listenership from there? Uh, I had no idea. (laughs) How do you do it, man? It's, uh, you know, do you Google it? Facebook wasn't doing advertising back then, you know, and and how do you get search engine stuff? And I played all those games and did everything possible. And I just realized you do a good show and do all the things you still do today. Hey, subscribe. Hey, review. All that kind of stuff. A call to action on the podcast. I just knew it's basics. Nothing's new here, man. Uh, podcasting is seems new. It's been around now nearly 20 years, almost. We're getting mm-hmm. there. Uh, from the very, very beginning, if you go back, it actually started way back in the 90s, but mm-hmm. it wasn't called that. So if you look at it, the, the marketing that makes a, any media property or any business successful is hundreds, if not thousands of years old. It's the same process. Nothing's changed. Human intellect has not changed in tens of thousands of years. It's the same. Right. So I knew that going in. I said, okay, well, how do I do this thing? And I had a listenership. And you don't need a ton of listeners to make a ton of money. You don't. It's been said, you know, a thousand good listeners will make you everything you need. I believe in that. Right. And, you know, raving fans, right? And so I knew that was happening. And I went, okay, well, listen, I, I will try to get out all I can. I will try to get as many listeners as I possibly can. The industry was coming up underneath me. But if I want to make money... And I want to get them to join my membership site. And why did I want a membership site? Well, because they pay me every month. That's what you have. It's a good thing, isn't it? Right. Money comes in every month, whether you, whether you ask for it or not. Right. And I said, that's really cool. I want that. How do I get that? But there's one problem with the membership site. And people forget. People don't want to buy a monthly payment. They don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And so just to have a podcast is like, well, they're not going to buy just a podcast, man. There's, there's a million podcasts now. Right. And aren't podcasts all free? I'm almost everyone's free. What's the only thing iTunes has never charged for? A podcast. Mm-hmm. Period. That's it. And they're not going to. It's too much free traffic. They keep using it for their own good. And now they split us off from the iTunes music store, which means we don't get all the traffic we used to get. It's all link bait now. It's more and more difficult to get a listen on a podcast than it ever has been before. It used to be you put it up and you get 100,000 listens right away. Uh, it's changed. 
But I recognize that this comes down to marketing. It comes down to essentially, if you're going to run a business, you have to go for money. You got to go for the sale. You got to get people to pay you. And the only way you can do that is to provide a value proposition that solves a problem that makes them say, oh gosh, yes, I want to pay for that. So when I realized that, I said, I could sell podcasts all day long, but that's not what grows the business. I have to solve a problem today. Mm -hmm. And that's what I decided to do. Because I had what I was thought was going to be a fiance, and if I didn't make any money, I was in trouble. So I figured <laughs> I should go ahead and make up something. <laughs> so I did. You probably want to know what that is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Tell us Okay, more. so here's what I did. I'd built the audience. I'd built the rapport. We had everything that everybody has right now with podcasts. Everything is going on. We had that. I have less than that now than I used to because I just don't do it anymore, but I do other things. But back then, I had built the audience and literally, and, and you got to really listen to what I did here. I said, people have to solve a problem. Now, I was doing health and fitness at the time, and I was doing a daily podcast. So I said, well, listen, it makes sense to me that you would need help every single day. Plus, I needed money for my fiance or my soon-to-be fiance. So I called my daughter and I said, daughter, I've gone through all my podcasts for the past two years and I put them in order and I want to make a program for 30 days. I'm going to actually take each subject and put them in an order for 30 days and do a morning podcast, a midday podcast and an evening podcast, each one about nine minutes long. So throughout the course of the day, I'm going to get you going in the morning, check in with you in the middle of the day and put you to bed at night with what I call a guided motivation. Mm -hmm. I dreamed up this thing. Mm -hmm. And I went into my podcast, literally went into my archive, and I said, okay, what have I talked about? And I put it in order, and I made a course out of it. And then I, I, drew, I kind of put an outline around that. And then what I decided was, I said, I'm going to launch my membership site. So I created this. I call it Start Moving, Stay Moving. It's a 30-day challenge. And I went on this thing, and I stole from Alex Mendoza, who's been around forever, and he used to do these postcard things. And I said, okay, I, I basically got all Alex's free stuff. And I go, okay, I know how to launch this thing. And I launched it with a call, and I said, if you join me, a conference call, you can buy it for $49 or whatever I was charging, or for $19.95, I'll just give it to you, and you can just join my membership site. And by the way, when this call is over tonight, anybody who joins is on a mastermind call with me, and they get to talk with me, and we get started with a bang. And I do a mastermind call every single week for the next four weeks. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. The psychology behind it was, wait a second, it's $49 to buy it or $19.95 to join the site. I'll just, I'll just get it and download it, and I'll get it all right away. Right. But then they started listening to it, and I had them every single day. We went from 150 to just shy of 1,000 members in seven days. Wow. All right. So essentially what I did was I addressed a need, gave them a way to come in. I took away the monthly membership and allowed them to come in and pay. And we stayed at that level for a very, very long time. In fact, it just continued to grow. And every time I did something, that's what I did. I put a launch on and I brought them in and I raised the price and they came in and I, I sometimes I would sell it directly. Um, and other times I would include it in the membership site. There was another level later on that I used actually to bring people in later. And I'll talk about that in a second here, but that was the first thing that got me to about a thousand. So do the math on it. So that was six months in and we were doing about $120,000 a year just on subscription memberships, no coaching, no consulting, no advertisements, nothing, just subscription. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, I love that. The fact that you were able to be, you know, so confident about bringing people in under that guise of, hey, just come in and get what you want and then leave and yet retain them. You know, we definitely want to drill into that a little bit later. So, Well, well yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, listen, here's the reality. Is, that's why we do money back guarantees. Most people don't ask for the money back guarantee. That's why we offer bonuses. Right. Hey, talk to me. Just give me a call. Talk to me. Nobody ever calls. It's like right. 2%. 
So once you understand the concept that most people, I mean, your return rate, your cancel rate is going to go up a little bit, but your sales rate goes so high and your retention rate's outrageous. My retention rate now is stupid. And so what I always do is this, once I get them in the door, I make sure I continue to deliver. So they get exactly what they expect from me. And that keeps retention rates high. You would probably have a real good idea on what churn rate is because you have a lot of people, I'm sure. Right. My churn rate's next to nothing. It's super low. It always has been. It's crazy low. And, and that's because I always keep my eye on that price. But you bring them in solving a certain problem and they buy into that and then they stay with you and then you continue to serve them. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And so to explore that a little bit more, you know, obviously, as well as being a creative and ex-DJ and so on, I know you're also a very, very savvy marketer. And most marketers, you know, when they're thinking about growing their business, they're thinking in, in terms of funnels. I'd love if you could maybe like describe a little bit more about converting free listeners to paid. You mentioned a few things there already in terms of like launches and money back guarantees. You know, what are the other kinds of things that you've thought about when it comes to the funnel to converting people to paid? and what levers you have to pull. When people become introduced to you, you're in what we would call as a marketer in the indoctrination phase. Some people call it the welcome phase. It's really just about getting to know who you are mm-hmm. and whether they like you or not. Now, you can call it whatever you want. I think it's kind of both. It's we're going to welcome you, but I want to indoctrinate you to how I think mm-hmm. and, and get you to stay with me. I want you to need me every single day. So every program I do leads to the next day. I like to think about it as a continuing soap opera. No program ends cold. No program stands on its own. It right. picks up from yesterday, it goes into tomorrow. Right. And so I'm always trying to hang people on there and, and to get them there. Now, how do you convert them? Like I said, it's very difficult to convert people. If I go on my podcast right now, on my Monday show or Tuesday, whatever I end up doing for free, we sell ads as well. And uh, ads, frankly, get in my way. Uh, we make a lot of money for ads. We get high, high, high CPM. But it gets in the way of my membership site, to be honest with you. That's why I don't sell more ads than I do. It's a right. six-figure income selling ads, but I don't pursue it full-time because it gets in the way of the other business I do. Right. So if I say, hey, come join my membership site and get daily motivation, then I kind of do that. Not going to happen. So the way I do it is I usually attach something to it. Hey, we have a free coaching call tonight. It's a real coaching call. It's not a webinar. You're on a Zoom call with me. We're going to work together. Just uh, get up. We'll send you the list and get on the call. And we'll talk. Well, I will get this unbelievable group of people who come in the door that just want to get that. The value is so high. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing is I'm giving them something, again, back to what I said before, giving them something they want now, solve the problem now. And then they come in and then I immediately serve them in that way. And then they're like really, really happy. If I don't serve them again another month or so, they're going to leave. But it's it's really about that. It's I think when you do the podcast is being consistent, walking your talk, having your philosophy, uh, just doing exactly what you say you're going to do and then invite them to be part of the next thing. Now, when I bring them in, by the way, everybody comes in at a different level. We run everything. We run the opt ins. We run the low ball offer at nine ninety five and nineteen ninety five. We take it up to two ninety seven. We do application funnels all the way up to five, ten thousand dollars a month, depending on what they're trying to do. And really honest, if I'm Frankly, I told this to a client today. I said, I used to say, if you were not a member of mine, if you hadn't given me at least a couple of dollars, then I didn't pay attention to you. But about 30% of my high-end coaching clients have never given me a dime. Right. Nothing. They hear something I say, they like my philosophy, they believe I can help them, and suddenly they connect with me. And then I take them through a funnel. I do consider, by the way, a podcast funnel to be a social media funnel. I believe that when you connect with somebody, they try to connect you with somebody else and they try to help you grow. 
I am such a personality, I do not connect with everybody. I connect with a certain group of people, so I don't try to get out beyond that. But I just believe it's a podcast funnel. I'm not sure if I'm getting to your point here, but I try to bring them in on a very specific idea. And usually they will say, I've been thinking about this for a while. Then they come in and then the next thing I hear is the best thing I ever did. So you're really kind of all in on the idea of doing it through the daily voice or the regular voice in the air. I'm interested to, to know whether you have other channels that you're, you work do, with yeah. in terms of like yeah. that conversion process as well. You know, do you kind of drive people to an email first, you know, get them on a newsletter list? Are there other touch points that you're thinking about in terms of nurturing people along that funnel? After that, it's standard funnel stuff, right? You get them in the door. And so uh, right now we're running the Perfect Week Planner funnel. It's delivering about 1,800 opt-ins a month right now. And it's, I've had it for over a year. It's crazy. If I had something brand new, it'd probably be three to 4,000 opt-ins a month. Easy, coming in. So when somebody comes in on opt-in, what is the first thing most people do when they get an email address? Just get, give me a quick answer, take a guess. What's the first thing they do? Send them a welcome email. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> probably not, <laughs> probably not. And if they do, that's the only thing they do, right? Right. And so they're in now my funnel. So what do I have to do? When they come in the door, I need to begin to make them feel comfortable with what I'm doing. And so I'm going to start to indoctrinate them by giving them a few more emails. Currently, what we do, and I'm going to give you the really big secret. I I don't give this to too many people. I'll give it to you about how one of the ways I take these opt-in people and eventually convert them. At the same time, keep my stuff ranked on iTunes pretty high. You want that? Absolutely. Okay, so here's what happens. So when you come in the door, you opt in for my thing. I give it to you. I immediately give you a couple of very high value reminders. Use this planner. This is how it works. Some people yell at me, say, stop emailing me. I say, okay, fine. Uh, But for the most part, they stay on the list. And I start to send them other things. I have a webinar. I have a coaching call. I have something I want to bring them into and sell them on. So I'm going to market to them. I'm going to do standard everyday marketing. But I also want to build my standing because I know that almost everybody is not going to do a darn thing, right? Right. They're not. They're not. They clicked on it. It's amazing how many people click on something, download it, and when you send them an email 30 minutes later, yell at you for doing that. It's just going to happen. So I know it's going to happen, so I don't worry about that. So what I do is is I actually have, okay, here comes, write this down. This is the big secret. I take my email list, my current marketing list, which is my opt-in list. I probably, it's like 90 or 120 days right now, which means we're sitting at eight or 10,000 people on just that current opted in, got signed for free stuff, leave me alone list, right? Mm -hmm. I segment the list up into seven, seven seven segments and randomly segmented. Mm -hmm. And then I take my Monday show and I send an email and I, I send my daily nugget, which is the written version of my podcast. And I send it out to somebody on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I divide the list by seven. So I'm taking my opt-in list, and what they're getting is two links. This is breaking all the rules because you should have one link, but they get two. One link takes them directly to iTunes. The other link takes them to my website. Most of them go to iTunes to listen to the podcast. And that's cool because when they go to iTunes, it drives me up in the rankings and keeps me right on top. If you go there today, you'll see I'm like second, except that rich roll guy. He's just ahead of me. Right. But then another half of them come to the come to the website to listen. And now they go, my goodness, I could join here. And they come in. I do it every single week. And it just keeps the listenership up there. It It's a minor connection. It keeps me warm with the audience so that when I want to do like next week, I'm launching a couple of coaching calls, launching a, an operation reinvention call, uh, launching a wisdom to wealthy, which is a business building call. And I will go out to those people and they're not going to hate me now because I've been taking care of them every single week. I'll say, hey, register for this. Come in, join my free call. Boom, start to sell them. Interesting. Savvy marketer going at it. 
Interesting. Okay. So, so you're not just relying on people's notifications in their podcast players to let them know about a new episode. You're taking, you know, destiny into your own hands, so to speak, and emailing them as kind of the first touch point and then splitting off that traffic half into iTunes and half to your own website so that at least half of the people are finding out about uh, and have easy access to your premium products. Right, because if I don't keep the iTunes up and driving, and because I have a premium product, I don't want to just do everything for free and do five days a week for free. Uh, I want to bring people into me. So in order to keep that high enough so people can find me, that's why I do that. And I've done it for years, and it works really exceptionally well. That's just a way to tap on people all the time. The other thing I do on top of that is everybody who opts in goes into a Facebook warm retargeting list. And so once they've hit my website or my podcast or anything, wherever I can track them with a pixel, now they start getting a notification all the time in their feed that here I am, here I am, here I am. It's my invisible list and I'm able to bring them back to me. And so I'm at least familiar with them. I become kind of a, a big star in a very small universe. And so when I send an email saying, hey, here's something exciting, come, come give me money, they, they do. And well, I don't say come give me money, but ultimately, if you're in business, that's what you're doing, right? You want them to pay you. Absolutely. I don't know a podcaster out there who doesn't want to get paid for what he does. And I, I don't have a million downloads a week. I'm not, and I have a nine minute show. I don't have an hour show where I can sell five spots. Right. I can't do that. Right. I got to make it on the backside. Interesting. And can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of the products that you're offering? Okay. You got two things that are going on here. First off, people really do want to buy stuff from you. They want more from you. They, they literally, I, people will call you and send you an email. So what else you got? What can I do? Uh, do you coach? Do you speak? They will do that. But, you know, that's rare. You got to get them to do that for you. Right. And so people really do want stuff from you because I generate a ridiculous amount of content on a regular basis. Someday I'm going to write a book saying what I learned from doing 10,000 podcasts, which right. I've, I've done over 10,000. I produced them. So they really do want that. So I understand that. But what's the reason I produce a product? I want to make more money. I want to build my business, right? So every year, here's what, and I don't want to sound like a money monger here, but I am a businessman. That means that every year I want to grow my business bigger. I want to make it a dollar more and I'm a happy guy, okay? I don't want to go to my CPA and him say, oh, you lost money. I don't want that. And so I'm trying to grow. So what I do is I pay attention to what their needs are and what are people asking for and where are they? In personal development, frankly, it's always the same thing. You know, it's a limiting beliefs to make them feel good about themselves and take action kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. The next thing I came up with was for that reason. Now, why did I do it? Well, I realized that, okay, let's go make some money here. Let's see. These people are asking to buy something. Let's give them a coaching program that I can help them with. So let me create something. So I created a program. My daughter gave it the name called Face Your Passion. And I said, that's a great name. I love that. Face Your Passion, you know, find your purpose, that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. I sat down. What did I do? I went back into a couple years, like at this point, eight or nine years worth of podcast and pulled out all the best stuff people said they loved all the stuff that really worked, all the stuff that got highest rankings, all the stuff that people talked about. And I began to thread it into a series of six modules. So I created six modules and the layout was this. It was a module one week and then a coaching call the second week and a module and then a coaching call. And that made it a 12 week program. And so you were repurposing old episodes and just collecting them together into themes. And then I put a theme around it. Yeah, that's a, yeah. so I took everything I taught I'd already generated, I, I repurposed that content and said, okay, well, listen, this would go here. This would be fourth episode, or this would be uh, third module. This will work here. I had to change it a little bit, but it was my base for what I needed, right? right. So I kind of riffed it out. I said, this is, and I literally went through my podcast prep and I put it in the order of, I thought, six modules. 
So here's a theory behind it. I didn't create this thing in advance. I did a seed launch where I went out and did a webinar and I sold it. I said, listen, first module is done, but here's the cool thing. If you join now, we're going to work together. We're going to have a coaching call. You're going to tell me what you need. We're going to take those changes, put it in the second module. Right. That's what I did. And it turned out to 12 modules. The very first time we did it, I did a 60 minute webinar. Never forget it. It was like the biggest thing I ever did. I launched it and then I went to the sales pitch for about 20 minutes and we did $88,000 business in 20 minutes. And it was crazy stuff. My credit card company called me the next day and said, so what's going on? I said, I had a good day. And that was it. And so we went and we delivered that product over 12 weeks. And then once I got it settled down, I came back again because there's always a, a group of people that say, gosh, I want to do it the first time. We sold over $297, by the way. I came back and I said, well, this group of people would not do it the first time. Maybe they'll do it the second time. And so we found those people. It was about $64,000 in sales the second time around. And wow. so I ran that out for another year. And then here's what I did. And this is a key. And I still do it kind of sort of today, although it's, it's half-assed, to be honest with you. Face Your Passion is still on my membership site. But back in the day, what I did was this. Here was my opt-in. You ready for it? It was a, about a 45, 50 minute video called the top 10 motivational truths you need to know to face your passion. Opt in here, get it. Mm -hmm. And so I got their email address and they would watch the video. Well, about the last 10 minutes of the video were about, hey, by the way, the first module of face your passion is included at motivationtomove.com for free. Well, actually it's a $1 trial. Right. So if you take my $1 seven day trial, you'll get the first module you can learn all this stuff, plus everything else I offer, and stick with it if you want to. Mm -hmm. It blew it up. <laughs> it just blew it up because they wanted that module because they had, had a taste of what was going on. They came in for the first one, and then I dripped the module out for the next five months. I wouldn't sell it to them directly. I would make them pay 20 bucks a month to get the next module because the average at the time was about four months in terms of, we had a, a, a two drop-offs. We had four months and 10 months in terms of drop-off of retention. And so I said, well, let's create something that gets us to six months so I make some more money. And, and it was so they, in their mind, the psychology was, well, this is $297. If I pay 20 bucks a month for six months, that's a whole lot cheaper. That's only right. 120, I'll buy that. That blew us up, man, it blew us up. I think we, they pushed us almost 2000 members at that point. It was crazy. Wow. But again, repurposing content serving the need of the person. So I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm this, you know, this, uh, this crazy guy that's going for money. I'm not. I live on 12 acres with alpacas. I'm, I'm a lifestyle guy. I'm not a guy that wants to make $20 million, right? But the point is that if I don't give the consumer something that solves their problem to, and then take them through the process, they're not going to take action. They have too many choices otherwise. And once they get in the system, then I'm like, I'm here for you. And I stay with them. And then it's a retention issue to hang on to them as long as you can. We will definitely want to dive into that in, mm -hmm. in terms of like how you're able to extend that, that retention. You mentioned over 10,000 episodes. Obviously, like that is a lot of episodes and requires yeah. a lot of creative input. You know, where does that all come from? How do you plan that out? I don't. <laughs> I don't. So I used to not write anything. I, everything was bullet pointed. I, in fact, the first probably five years, I just wrote it on a legal pad and threw it away. I wish I'd kept it. Now I have it on, uh, I have files on Scrivener. I used to use Evernote. Now I just put it on Scrivener so I can convert that into additional content. Basically what happens is this. Now the, uh, at one time I did 16 episodes a week and they were all nine or 10 minutes, but I did 16 a week. Right. And uh, I did a fitness boost, a daily boost, a business boost, and something else on top of that. I will never do it again. I promise you. It's not going to happen. Right. But when I used to do it, I would sit down. I would just go. I would literally record them in about four hours. That was it. Wow. It was done. The way I do it is an old radio trick, and people these days don't know how to do it very often. I do it in real time. 
usually what happens is I sit down, my music is on my computer, my Pro Tools system's on my computer, I push one button, everything comes through my headset, and I record real time immediately. I don't do any editing whatsoever. I never do editing unless I make a, a huge mistake. And so that's how I get them done fast. Essentially, I just record in real time, start the music, start talking, talk, 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 talk. When the timer hits the right time, hit the music again, I'm done. Hit export, it's there. So I do that. Once I get it exported, then I use, I'm on the Mac, I use the old program called Automator, and I use it to this day for everything I do. Because Automator basically will tag everything, convert it to MP3, will rename it, and then upload it for me in one shot. I push one button, I have 16 episodes uploaded in about two minutes. It's done. So I automated using that. Now, the big question is, where does the content come from? So this is my super duper secret weapon of how I do this. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to your life. Once you get busy, I'm on coaching calls all day long. The past two days, I literally have gotten off the call and said, I'm going to do a podcast. Boom, it's done. I write it out into my written form called The Daily Nugget. Off it goes. It's 150 words, and then I record the podcast. But what I really do is this. You cannot sit down and creatively without spending eight or 10 or 20 hours doing this, you can't sit down and, and make up stuff for your podcast. So the way you do this is what, what really any successful person does is you capture the idea and then you riff it out. So I use Asana. It's a to-do productivity thing, right, right? On my computer. It's on my phone. I hit plus. An idea comes into my head. The first thing I do is drop it into Asana. At the end of every week, I have about 30 or 40 ideas in there. I go into Asana, I say, mm, what resonates? What do I want to talk about today? I pull the idea up, I put it on a screen, I say, let me write out what I want to talk about, and I start riffing, riffing, riffing. I go for it. I bring it out from there. Because this is real life, it's something that meant something to me at the time when I did it. There's probably a story behind it, and I'm able to tap this into the, to the people who are listening. It probably came from them. So massive content creation comes from capturing the idea in real time, and then riffing it when you're ready to come back to it and just go for it. Books are written like this. Many books are. That's how I do it. That's amazing. And do you find that there's a, a certain cyclical nature to this as well? That do, are you ever like kind of going back through your archives and saying, oh, I haven't talked about that subject in a long time, you know? Well, sure I do, yeah. Listen, audiences rotate, right? Mm. And so you're never going to have the same audience forever. And plus... You know, people always want something new. They want to learn something new. They want to be reminded about what they used to know. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I used to do that. And so we do want to go back in time and bring up some of the things we created and then kind of want to surprise them with something brand new. And so, yeah, absolutely. Any good teacher is going to do that. They're going to say, listen, I know you're in 10th grade, but let's go back to fifth grade when you learn this for the first time. Right. And before class is over, hey, by the way, look what I found for you. Yes, you do want to repeat it and, and you get creative. I actually never repeat a podcast. I do every one original. I've never repeated one ever. I've repeated many subjects and there are many things that I know resonate with people. So I'll go back and I'll look at it and I'll say, what's Scott's take today on what I know now versus what I knew five years ago? And I'll do that. So about, um, I'm going to think about 20% of what I do is a repeat. Everything else is original. Always making new. Automation, you know, was a topic you just brought up and, you know, mm -hmm. just in, in describing your workflow, you, you said you can export, you know, all 16 files in two minutes or something like that. Obviously, you get a lot of energy out of like having those systems in, in place. Mm -hmm. Do you also have other team members or do you have that kind of automation down to a fine art? Sadly, now I don't have other team members. I have me and my wife and that's it. And I've had people in the past that I could, I could grow faster if I, if I wanted more people. My daughter used to work for me. One day she left and said, Dad, I want to be a full-time mom. And I said, okay. 
And she took with her, because she had done all the tech, and everything went with her. <laughs> it, was, it was like, uh-oh, what do I do now? And uh, honestly, there was a time when I said, I can't do this because we're Infusionsoft-based and, and so many other things are in place. And when she left, I actually said, I'm going to give up my membership site and I'm going to go to advertising and see if I can make that work. And I kind of did that because the, the system was, we started in 2000, you know, 2006. I mean, mm. the system was old and archaic, right? It was a mess. And so I shut it down. I remember my wife, it was December, uh, I don't know, a couple, five years ago, something like that. I shut it down. I said, I'm going to turn off my membership site. I'm going to stop billing people and, or monthly, and I'm going to go ad-based. I shut down almost 1,000 members in December. Wow. I shut down 20K of income in December. For the next year and a half, I tried to get the advertising to work. At the time, it wasn't what it is today. It wasn't just right. coming at you if, if you have enough downloads. And then you had to kind of work at it. I didn't like it. And I didn't like just being free all the time. I liked the paid members. They had skin of the game. I liked that. Right. And so along the way, though, I was uh, working with WordPress and reinventing my systems and connecting everything else together and decided that I would launch a membership site. And I never forget it the day I did it. I said, uh, I went on my podcast and said, guys, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm going back to membership sites. So you're going to have to pay pretty soon. Okay. That's kind of what I said. <laughs> and then I checked with my guy who had done my membership software and he had figured out a way to make it work on WordPress. And I went, okay, cool. He's got it fixed. We can do this. And honest to God, it's like a Wednesday. And I went, hmm, well, when are you going to do it, dummy? And I said, well, we'll launch on Sunday. <laughs> I did. And I launched on Sunday, like, like I said, four or five years ago, something like that. And I sent out some emails. I said, we launch again. We're going live on Sunday. Give me 20 bucks. Uh, it's open and whatever. 900 people came in in four hours. Wow. They came back. And I stayed on the computer until about midnight that night, answering all the tech stuff, figuring it all out. Uh, I mean, I did what they did. I Googled. They sent me a tech support. I said, I don't know. And I Googled it, got the answer, sent it back to them. By about midnight, I was all done. And we have just gone forward since then. You know, I have some some vendor support. I made a decision a long time ago. In fact, one of the reasons I'm with you guys and have been with you for pretty early on is that I said, let you guys do what you do best because we were having trouble with RSS feeds. And that was my issue with coming to Supercast. And so I made a decision to go with software as a service and essentially say, if I have enough computers and if I know what I'm doing and if I have you guys, I don't know how big your team is, but it's bigger than my team. Right. And you're going to work for me if I send you an email, right? Right. Absolutely. And so that's what I've done across the board. So every system I have, I probably have 10,000 people working for me, but it's all for like, you know, $150 a month. So that's awesome. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I could do more and we've considered doing that, but I'm a big fan of automation and a big fan of consistency and a big fan of making my system work. Everything as it comes in, just to give you a little detail how this works because membership sites are, they're difficult to operate and there's a lot going on. But what I do is I have everything, essentially, and this is a big secret sauce, okay? Everything runs off Infusionsoft, and therefore, I've got automation queuing everything for me, and everything is, is monitored with a Slack channel. So every aspect of my business, every sale, every cancellation, every error, everything comes up on a Slack channel. Every tech support, everything comes up there. Right. And I do have some people who can monitor that for me when I need to. Essentially... We just have a mission control here to monitor everything, and I do not do it if I can't automate it. So, I mean, I'm sure I could make about $100 million more if I hired somebody, but it's not my thing, man. I got alpacas and dogs. Yeah, got it. You know, final question, what would you do differently if you were starting over? Oh, God, that's a hard question, man. It's so different these days, isn't it? It's so different in how things work. I don't know that I do anything differently. Here's what I think. People connect to a charismatic personality and good information. 
If you just have good information, you're going to be fine. If you have just a charismatic personality, you're fine for a while. So we have something called Slanguage. Have you heard that term before? No. Slanguage is, it was made from a variety magazine in Hollywood. It's how Hollywood people talk, right? So Slanguage is what your community understands. And so I know this. I know that, okay, if I give you really good information that helps your life and really serves you and puts you on a path to succeeding, all I have to do is do that and then show you the way. And if I do it in a charismatic way, you're going to believe me if I walk in integrity and follow me along. So if I had to do it again, I would build a podcast that just provided immense value for my audience. And I would work on that personable level to connect with them on a daily basis. And probably if I had, um, I'm not a big social media guy. I never have been. I just, I'm not good at it, to be honest with you. I'm good at other things. I'm not good at social media. But I would probably just employ all those organic channels coming in to make it happen. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, and I tell my clients this all the time, podcasts, otherwise it doesn't matter. You are solving a problem. When you can solve the problem, people will, in fact, listen to you and they will do business with you. And you can do that on Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube ads. It doesn't matter. If you solve the problem and they begin to follow you, they're going to go, wait a second. I like this guy. I need this guy. This guy can help me. Dude, I tell you one, one last thing and uh, driving force, because I've talked a lot about business on this, because obviously I do a lot of marketing and sales mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. But I, I have to tell you the driving force here. It's real simple. You know, we have enough listeners. It's 85, 90,000 listeners per episode. It's in virtually every country of the world. There is not a day that goes by that I don't get an email from somebody somewhere who never has given me a dime and never will give me a dime. But they do give me a thank you. They do tell me what I did for them. Sometimes it's years worth of listening that they've stuck with me all this time. They've gone away. They've come back. And finally, whatever they were working on, it happened. So what drives me every single day is I just know that somebody is out there who needs to hear what I have to say, my knucklehead idea that I come up with today mm. that makes sense, that resonates with them, that transformed their life. And I see it and hear it all the time. And that's what drives me. So if I did it today, I would be real, be transparent, have full integrity, but never forget you're in the entertainment medium. And you must deliver on what, you're, what you say you can. You got to have a personality, a theme around what you're doing, and you got to have solid content because you are in that medium. And if you do that within the context of being real and transparent, people will connect with you and you will have no problem growing your podcast. None. Amazing. Uh, what a great note to end on. And this is why I love chatting to you, Scott. Yeah, you're such a wealth of information and, and actually, you know, hearing that, you know, the story of your first wife, sad as it is, you know, truly inspiring. If you want to find out more about how Scott retains paid users for years, you can sign up for Supercast Premium Feed right now and go behind the curtain essentially oh, uh, so oh you to, didn't even talk about my retention did you my so, goodness no no we're yet to get to that so to check it out head to premium.supercast.com or click the link in the show notes uh, you can sign up for free and then you'll get the premium feed in your podcast player in just two taps uh, so that's premium.supercast.com um, there's no special apps or anything like that to download 100% free you can get access to the next segment right now so Scott, always a pleasure speaking with you and thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. That's it, folks. Uh, I'm Jason Suhoy and if you have any feedback or questions, please feel free to find me on Twitter at jsuhoy, J-S-E-W-H-O-Y or you can also email me directly, jason at supercast.com. Uh, Scott, where can people find your website? 
motivationtomove.com, all spelled out. And the Daily Boost podcast. Just if you type in the words Scott or motivation and Daily Boost, you'll find me. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.